0: and welcome to the Money Made Easy podcast. We're your hosts, Angelica
1: and Tisha. We're here to make it easier to talk about and learn about all things money, earning it, saving it, and investing it. So let's talk money, honey. On to this week's show. Hello, guys. Oh, my goodness. We are so excited to have one of ours and your favorite guests back today. It's Kate from that debt-free life at that debt-free life on Instagram. Um, We had her on when she was very close to paying off her over $105,000 debt, Ah, mostly student loans. Go back and listen to episode seven if you haven't listened to it yet, because you will love it. It is definitely one of our most listened to and most loved episodes because it's so chock full of all the things that she did to get out of debt. And we'll be talking to her about a little bit about that today. But we first want to catch up with her. So welcome to the show, Kate.
0: Hi, thank you for having me. I'm super excited to be back and giving you guys an update on all things that have happened since we last spoke.
1: Yes, because man, you were getting really close. uh, And that was like, I think it was about a year and four months ago. In fact, I think right after we talked to you, you wiped that rest of that debt out, you like hit Mm -hmm. it hard, and you were done with it. So tell us about finishing that how it felt and what all you've been doing since I mean, obviously, not all in one sentence, we (laughs) want to hear all the good juicy details. (laughs) So (laughs) absolutely.
2: Yeah. Um, you know what, after you pay off your student loan debt, or even, you know, just all your non-mortgage debt. That's the question that everyone asks is, how does it feel? You know, what does it feel like to be debt-free? And honestly, it feels like someone had given me a life sentence in prison and they just came in and they said, oops, we've got the wrong girl. You're free to go. <laughs> right? Like, I just felt like I escaped such just, massive oppression. You know, I mean, it was just, I finally felt free. And then the other way that I describe it is that I just felt invincible. So like you do this thing, you work for years and you do this thing that you think maybe in the beginning can never be done. And then you finally accomplish it. And then you feel like, man, I did that. There is nothing that I can't tackle now.
1: What a great
2: feeling. Such a great description.
0: Yeah, but I'm sure that mindset, I mean, drives into everything. You know, you know, past student debt, past all of that, or you know, any sort of debt. It's just like, okay, like what's next? Like, let's, you know, what's my next goal? And it just kind of is like a, you know, domino effect to the next thing.
2: Yes, it's so true, and I think that, like, as I was paying off my debt, that was always the end game, the end goal. Like, I never really thought a whole lot past that. Like. And then once I finally became debt-free, I realized, man, this is really just the beginning. There's still so much more to accomplish and so much more to do.
0: Oh, I bet. What has been like, I guess, your next goal um, after paying off all your debt?
2: Well, so my immediate goal, we played a little bit. (laughs) So we did that. Um, And, you know, we took a a bucket list trip to New York City at Christmas time, which was something that had always been on my bucket list. And we were able to do that. And, um, but then we got pretty serious, you know, getting back into our financial goals, which was saving up an emergency fund, which, you know, as it turns out with all the craziness happening now, I mean, now is a, a time more than ever that I really was grateful that we were able to get that emergency fund in place and set up.
1: Well, and thank goodness that you became debt free in 2019 so that you could actually go on that Christmas trip and it would be somewhat normal and that you were able to take that trip before the pandemic.
2: I know. I'm just so heartbroken about the state of everything. New York was hit so badly. And I mean, we're, we're, really wanting to go back you know we kind of want to recreate that trip every year um but you know who knows when we'll be able to do that but yes it was perfect timing because we got to experience all of new york and its glory in 2019 at christmas time and it was just amazing oh that
1: seems magical it sounds like a well-deserved and uh the best reward for sure that's awesome What's been uh, one of the uh, ongoing things that you just, you were like, I'm not quitting that. You were like, you know what? I'm used to doing that. I'm going to stick to doing that even though I don't have to anymore.
2: I'm going to
1: stick to that. It's easy and I can do it.
2: Sure. like So I feel like Almost nothing about my life has really changed in terms of the way that I manage my finances and that I approach my financial goals. So I still create a zero-based budget for every paycheck that I get, and I budget that down to the penny, um, which is just something, the zero-based budget is just something that I just can't live without. You know, I never have to question how much money I have to spend in any category when I've got that budget done. And so I'm still budgeting. I'm still, you know, working overtime, a lot of overtime to hit financial goals. Um, I'm still not really, you know, maybe I'm a bad example because I feel like once people become debt-free, then they've got all this extra money and they do whatever they want to with it. But I still am in very much in hustle mode, trying to you know, catch up on retirement contributions that I haven't been doing and funding the 529 for my kiddo. And, you know, just recently we sat down and we made a six year plan to pay off the mortgage. That's so amazing. I feel like really everything is kind of the same. Mm-hmm.
1: But that's such a great goal to become mortgage-free too. I mean, that is like the big debt-free, debt-free dream, right? (laughs)
2: Yes. I mean, that is the end-all be-all. That is just, I can't even wait and imagine how amazing that is going to be.
1: Definitely will need to be
0: celebrating with another trip.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Or two. (laughs) (laughs) For sure.
0: Well, well, and also, you know, like you mentioned, uh, maxing out your IRA—I mean, that's incredible, and that will just drive you, you know, to so much more long-term success as well. And it's something that, like, I think everyone has in the back of their head, like, "Oh, I should probably contribute more to my retirement," and "Oh, you know." But it's like it's so hard to to want to do that throughout if you don't have a plan in place, you know, for it. And so, I think that kind of goal is so important and and something that people need to plan for. So that way, you know, if you get extra income that month, you're not like quickly spending it or super excited about it. You're like, okay, no, it goes to the IRA until we can fully max that out. And then we can figure out where that goes.
2: Yes, I agree. I mean, I love having a plan for my money because when you've got a plan for your money and you do come across that extra income or, you know, you're under budget in a category and you want to know what to do with it. You, When you've got a plan, you know exactly where to put it. And it's hard sometimes. I know when I first started just learning about personal finance, I didn't know what to do. There was so much to do. I have to pay off debt. I have to save for my kids' college. I have to pay off the mortgage. I've got to get an emergency fund. I mean, there's just a million financial goals I feel that everyone has at any one given time. And it's a struggle to figure out what you should be doing and when. Right.
1: And so for those that haven't listened to episode seven, let's do a brief catch up on what made you decide I'm paying off this debt. I can do it. I'm going to do it. What was that like? And then, yeah, let's catch us up just briefly on that.
2: Sure. So there's a, there's a couple of things. So, um, one things kind of coincided so one i was talking to a friend of mine and we were kind of you know complaining about our debt and she just said you know i bet you could have that paid off in a couple of years if you just like buckled down and you know got to it and i thought yeah right <laughs> You know, I'm like, this is six figures of debt. Like you're crazy. But then I started sitting down and making a plan and running the numbers and being just a little spreadsheet nerd. And I made a plan and the first plan didn't leave me debt-free for six years. And I was like, I can't do it for six more years. And that kind of coincided with, I was having just a rough time at the office And I was ready to leave, quite frankly, you know, Um, and I'm an attorney uh, and I find it very stressful. And so I was having a stressful time at the office, but I knew I could never leave my job or I felt I could never leave my job with six figures of student loan debt around my ankles. I just didn't have any choices or options. So... I kind of just. Since that
1: job is what got you. Yes. Since that debt is what got you that job, you felt like you had to stick with the debt to get rid of it, huh? Stick with the job to get rid of it.
2: It's so insane. Like the only reason I had the debt was the job, but I needed the job to pay off the debt. I mean, it's just, (laughs) it was insane. So yeah. Wasn't so there I, a
1: kitchen remodel in there that kind of inspired you too? Yes. Yes.
2: It's such okay. a good memory. So we did. So we well, bought, I've shared
1: your story before. I mean, I've <laughs> definitely told people about your story because it's so inspiring. So tell us real briefly about that, how that sure, worked.
2: Sure. So there was a, a culmination of all those events. So we bought our home about five years ago and after we bought our home, you know, we started decorating like crazy. And one of the things i had always wanted was a white kitchen. And so we contracted it out and we had the kitchen painted and, um, they painted some other things in the house, but it was like $3,000 to paint our kitchen cabinets, which is kind of astronomical. I feel like, you know, like it feels kind of a lot. And so we took that money from our emergency fund to, uh, get the kitchen cabinets painted. And after I had done it, I had this kind of panicked feeling like I've got to replace that money. And so I set off on a course to replace that money and I was able to do so rather quickly. And so I thought to myself, gosh, if I can replace $3,000 in my emergency fund this quickly, what have I been doing with my money all of this time? And why don't I start actually doing something, you know, productive with it, like paying off all this debt. So Yeah. So the kitchen remodel, the stress at work, the conversation with one of my best friends that all just kind of culminated into waking me up financially, I guess.
1: And so what were those first steps that you took that set you out? And what were some of your best things that you did along the way that you were like, oh, that was genius. Definitely everybody should be doing this one.
2: (laughs) So sure. Um, so like I said, I made a zero base budget for every paycheck that I got. I do my budgets by paycheck because for me, that just makes sense. When I get a paycheck, I'm like, what am I going to do with this money? I need to make a plan for it. And, and if somebody
1: doesn't know what a zero-based budget is, you have lots of references on your blog. If they go to your Instagram or your blog, either one, they
2: can find that, right? Absolutely. I walk them through step-by-step step how to make one. I've got an example. So it will explain everything about making a zero-based budget and the most common questions you know, I see when people are first starting out. I address all of that on the blog. Um so also other things that I did I guess uh I did 15 no spend days every month and so after a year it would equate to 6 months of no spending at all um which is really kind of crazy when you think about it but it was a lot easier to do in kind of bite sized chunks uh month over month
1: well and what I love about that is uh, you used an app that I have now become addicted to, <laughs> the Habit Tracker app, right? Yes.
2: It's called, I think it's called Is Habit Share is the name of the app. Okay. Yeah. And, that's but correct. it is a Habit Tracker app. And um, I love it because it really helps me stay focused on meeting those no spend goals because for every day... <laughs> Every day you have to like put a dot on your calendar. You have to mark your calendar red or green. And I hated having to mark it red. I like to see all the greens in a row, you know? And so just um, having that app and knowing that I would have to, you know, put an ugly red mark on my calendar day kind of helped me stay in line um, to meet those no spin goals. Well, and it
1: just makes you think about it. I mean, it's one of those things where, it makes you stop and, and say, do I really need that? Is that worth not being able to check my green mark on my no spin day? Or can we just wait and uh, get that another day or not get it at all? Cause that's one of the things that I love that you talked about before is how there were a lot of purchases that you would, Hmm, do I really need that? Cause you have like a, Don't you sometimes even like take a picture of it or something?
2: So I have what I call my 30 day buy list. So anytime that I want something that either I've not budgeted for, or I'm not a hundred percent sure, or I feel like maybe it's not going to help me reach my goals. If I buy it, I put it on a list and I put the date that I want it. And then if it's still on the list, you know, after 30 days, if I still want it, I go back and look at my list. And if I still want it, then I buy it. But y'all, I have been doing this since I think like 2018 was the first list I made. And not too long ago, I went back and I found them all. And there are still things on those lists that I have never purchased. There are things on that list that I I don't even know what they are, you know, like a very (laughs) specific like handbag or something. And like, Like, I can't even picture what that is in my mind, you know, and at like, at one point, like I really wanted it, you know, and now all these years later, I can't even tell you what it is. Um, so yeah, so that really helps me in terms of impulse shopping, you know, um, just forcing myself to wait and really evaluating whether it's something that I want in the first place, like really, really want.
1: Well, and I feel like, uh, that's where, um, the pandemic either helped people with their not spending or it drove them to shop online out of boredom or out of just, you know, all the things. Um, So I think that that's an interesting thing. Can you talk a little bit about how during the pandemic your finances have been affected um, for the better or the worse?
2: Well, sure. So, we're very lucky. So, our um my husband and I, we have both been able to stay employed throughout the pandemic. You know, we didn't have any change in income whatsoever, and so we're grateful about that. That's huge. Um, yeah, yeah. So, we're very very grateful. Um and for the first few months, like we, you know, the only time I left my house was to go to the grocery store. Like I just, you know, I we were not spending money and we also started working from home. And so um, I sat down and I figured out, you know, I think from the last time we chatted, when I was working from the office, I have an hour and a half commute each way. So three hours a day to drive to the office. Wow. And yeah, it's horrible. So that translates though to so much in terms of gasoline and fuel and wear and tear on my car. And so when we quit, going to the office and we started working from home, I looked at my fuel costs and I mean, for all of 2020, I think I spent around $400 on gasoline, which is incredible for me because it was probably, it's probably like 75% savings over what I normally would use. So we saw big savings there.
1: Nice. That's huge. I mean, not only financial savings, but- Time saving, stress saving. Uh huge. Yes.
2: yes. Time and the time and the stress. I mean, that's what it's all about.
1: But but listen to way fewer podcasts, I guess. <laughs> <laughs>
2: So true. <laughs> Way fewer podcasts and audiobooks, and I missed yes. that, you know? But we did get a treadmill for Christmas. So now I'm like getting myself on the treadmill, and that's my podcast and my audiobook time. So I'm kind of trying to get it back that's
1: i switch i started walking a ton during, outside cuz living in california it's just so easy to just step outside your door and walk every day it's rarely raining so there's rarely a weather excuse to keep you from walking
2: yes. and
1: i just started you know it was like no just put your tennis shoes on and just go what else are you doing you have no one to meet for dinner you have nothing and so that became instead of driving that became my audio book time or my podcast time I love it you're gonna enjoy that treadmill you're gonna heat that (laughs) thing up (laughs) now that you've got three hours you can easily dedicate you know 45 minutes or an hour to it right
2: (laughs) I know no excuses no excuses (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> so since you've become debt free you've I'm guess you said you had uh um t- tell us what all catch us up on exactly what you've been throwing your money at um other than your your building back your emergency fund after that initial using it for the kitchen I know we know you've gotten that done.
2: We have been able to accomplish a ton. Um so we saved up to replace the fence on our property, which was also quite outrageous. It was like four to five thousand dollars. I mean, nuts.
1: Who wants to spend that on a fence, right? But it's I, like, you gotta
2: you gotta. I know. I feel like the Homeowners Association was just like right around the corner knocking on our door, <laughs> so <laughs> You know, can can cross that one off the list. But we were able to, you know, save a six month uh, emergency fund. We were able to cash flow that fence, save cash, and pay for the fence. You know, I opened a Roth IRA for the first time in my life and was able to fund that. Um, we also purchased new kitchen appliances, which was something that was on our you know want list for once we became debt free. Um, we were able to do that. We, the other thing that was on our, my want list was, um, I got Invisalign and that was something that I have been wanting forever. Braces are Invisalign and I went with Invisalign and I got that. Um, we did a bunch of remodeling to our home. We remodeled our, um, our laundry room. I mean, we have just been doing all sorts of things (laughs) with our money, you know, since, um since we became debt-free.
0: That is so fun and so well-deserved. Ah, I love hearing that. Well, and then it just, I mean, especially during the pandemic, you're spending so much time at home. So it just makes being at home just, I don't know, that much more enjoyable if you're like, it's uh, my, our friend Lupe talks about um, tolerations a lot. So it's like little things that kind of just cloud our mind when we're, you know, it could just be like, a, I don't know a door that creaks or you know every time every day when you pass it it just bugs you and it's just like kind of just lingers there um, and I think that's kind of been a lot of people's focus throughout the pandemic is like what are small things that we can you know enhance or you know help throughout the house that just really makes this a space that we really do enjoy staying in for a very long periods of time um, and just you know enjoy the hard work that you know we we're thankful that we have roofs over our heads and like, yeah, being able to enjoy the little the little joys of adding in some fun things too.
2: Exactly. I mean, that's probably where my pandemic spending has been the most is on home projects. Like they maybe know me at home depot right now
1: (laughs) (laughs) first name basis mm, yes
2: (laughs) but i was never like i was never a big like you know amazon shopper or impulse shopper that way like i never was and so i know a lot of people were kind of hit hard by impulse shopping that way during the pandemic but for me it was like man we are in this house all day now like that wallpaper has to go. I can't look at it anymore. (laughs) So, you know, we had a bunch of things that we had wanted that we had planned to do, you know, once we became debt-free and then, you know, once we were debt-free and we were sitting at the house and we were at the house all day, every day, we decided, you know what, let's do it. Let's do it.
1: Definitely. Um, so when you first started out, what was the most, um, the, the most inspiring thing to you when you were beginning to start paying it off and that the, like the first thing that made you go, okay, maybe I can do this. Maybe this is actually doable.
2: Um, you know, I don't know that I have any, like one specific event. I think probably for me, it was just realizing that, After I started making those zero-based budgets and really tracking my expenses, it was realizing that I had really more than enough money to meet my goals. I just wasn't allocating it properly. You know, I was frittering it away on eating out and, you know, going to target or home goods or something. And when I sat down and realized that if I just spent my money with intention and with purpose... I could meet all the goals that I thought were out of reach before. So that was kind of a big awakening for me.
0: Yeah, I I mean, that's pretty much, I think everyone on our, um, every guest that we have on our podcast is the awareness of where your money is going and actually checking in and, you know, logging into your bank account and seeing where your money is going. I mean, my mom still balances her checkbook every month and like literally goes and like looks at, I mean, I don't know if she does anymore. Maybe that was a couple of years ago, but because I don't know. My mom does. Oh, okay.
1: Oh (laughs) yeah. She looks at every check. They they check every receipt on their credit card bill to their bank, you know, their bank thing. Yes. Yes. Uh, and I think that that's because I mean, I was raised to check my bank balance because we that was back before everything was electronic and all. Um, but now I don't. I do look at my bank balance. I try and make sure that I look at it every day that because of this show and because of all the good advice that we've gotten on this show is that I do look at it because even just looking at your bank balance will make you more in tune to your spending and to your financial awareness it's all part of it and anything that we can do to become more financially aware is going to help us have less debt i promise you people just looking at your bank balance every day even if it even if you know what it's going to say even if it hasn't changed just it's just an checking in with it will make you more checked in in general with your finances right
2: I agree 100%. I do check my bank account balances every day, at least once a day. Um, And along those same lines, when I started my Instagram account and challenged myself to post at least once daily about something finance related, because I was always thinking about it, Mm -hmm. it was always at the forefront of my mind. And it wasn't possible to just kind of fall off the wagon. Like there was no falling off the wagon because I was talking about it every day. Um, so yeah, so I think Angie had people watching. Yes. (laughs) I had people watching me. So, but even if you don't, you know, like that's why I always encourage people like start an Instagram account, even if you keep it anonymous, just, Mm -hmm. you know, like something and it doesn't even have to be an Instagram account, but some, some kind of level of accountability for me, that accountability just helped keep me on track. And I think you can get that, like you said, by checking your bank account balances daily because it puts your finances at the forefront of your mind each and every day.
0: Yeah. When I think it's important also to highlight the habits and just the little steps that people, I think when you look at the grand scheme of it all, it's very overwhelming. You're like, wow, that's a lot of money. Like, but I think I love your story because you really talk about like just the small steps that you took daily and how love- monumental that can be over time. And I think people get really, you know, unmotivated in the middle of it. Cause they're like, they're not either, they're either shameful if they like missed a day or whatever it is. And I think just just being, you know, giving yourself grace, but knowing like, okay, if I don't do it tomorrow, if tomorrow I, you know, I accidentally, or if today I, you know, spent on my no spend day, tomorrow will be a new day. I'll restart, you know, refresh. But I think, and then once you get the momentum, it's another accountability, right? It's just kind of driving that uh, force. But I think people just kind of get overwhelmed and just I mean, to just maybe shut down. And I think just, you know, reminding everyone to just give yourself grace and just take baby steps along the way.
2: 100% giving yourself grace is something that I always talk about that I think people overlook. And what's really weird to me is that, you know, people understand that it takes a long time to become good at everything else, right? You're not going to just the first time you get on a bike and you're just going to be the best biker in the world, right? The first time you ever start doing anything, you don't get immediate success. You have to work at it, but people for some reason feel like, Oh, I'm going to start budgeting. I'm going to start taking care of my finances and I'm not instantly the best and they just give up. And so, you know, for whatever reason, you know, people just don't understand that it takes time. It takes a long time to get good at budgeting and, you know, resisting those impulse purchases and being intentional with how you spend your money. And that, I think it's a great piece of advice for people to just let themselves be a beginner, let themselves make mistakes and real, give yourself some grace and realize that, you know, you're not going to be perfect the first time you try it. And you know what? You're not going to be perfect ever. Like, you know, do you want to know the number of times I've written a perfect budget? Zero, zero, you know, (laughs) like, I mean, (laughs) That's just the nature of the beast because budgeting is predicting what you're going to do with your money. I mean, you know, no one can predict the future with perfect accuracy. You know, if you can, you know, give me a call. (laughs) Tell me what the lottery numbers are for tomorrow.
1: (laughs) I love that. I love that. Just start over, start over, start over if you have to.
2: Yeah, just don't give up.
0: Well, and Kate, um, I know in the last episode, we talked about, you know, creating a zero-based budget for people who may be self-employed and may have inconsistent income throughout the year. Um, I guess, what do you recommend uh, for people who do have maybe some inconsistencies and don't have like a set day where they get a paycheck or something like that?
2: Absolutely. So that's a question that I actually get a lot. So I feel like there are a lot of people now who do get um, paid on kind of an irregular schedule. So on my blog post, I do have a blog that talks about a bunch of different options on how to budget on an irregular income. So one of the first things that I suggest is that you list your expenses from most importance to least important. Mm-hmm. And then as your income comes in through the week or the month or what have you, you pay your bills in order of importance. And so that means, you know, the most important things are going to be things like your mortgage or your rent or your electricity and your groceries. So you want to budget for those most important things. Um, and then as your income comes in, you know, if you've got, extra above and beyond the important things that you need to take care of, you can start allocating the extra money in terms of importance. So toward the end of the month, that's when you can make your extra, you know, debt payments and things like that. For, certainly I would not advocate making debt payments early in the month until, you know, you've made enough to cover the things that are essential. Um, I love that. Another piece of advice I always give when people have a regular income is to create a buffer or a cushion fund. So, you know, not necessarily an emergency fund, but just a fund in case things fall short for the month um, or you're hit with like an unexpected expense, then you've got a little bit of a buffer or a cushion in your budget to kind of carry you through. Particularly, you know, if you're having, you know like a bad week or a bad couple of weeks, um, having just a little bit of buffer is gonna help. Um, And then the last kind of strategy which quite frankly is what I would aim to do if I were budgeting on an irregular income. And it's a strategy that is advocated from the book called You Need a Budget. And it's about living on last month's income. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of hard to do because you have to, at the outset, save up a month's worth of income, all right? Okay. So that may take a very long time, you know, depending on what your expenses are or what have you. But you, know, you start off by chipping away at it bit by bit. And once you're able to get a full month's worth of income, then you live on last month's income. So, you know, you have a full month's worth of income. You know exactly how much you're going to get paid because you've already been paid it. And then you can do your budget and your spending based on that income. And it eliminates all that guesswork in gosh, how much am I going to make this month? Because my income is unsteady and I don't know. And for me, that's the method that I would prefer because it takes away all of the guesswork and it kind of for me, it would eliminate the most stress. So yeah, that's what I would recommend.
0: And you still have that cushion too, where you're like, okay, well, I've got everything I need for this month. And you're kind of always like a month ahead, which is a little nice too. Yes. Awesome. Thank you for that.
1: I also loved how you talked about how it helped you declutter your house.
2: Yes, absolutely. So This is, you know what, if, if your listeners have problem with impulse, um, shopping, which I really don't, but I know that a lot of people do, I feel like this is something that may be super helpful. So during our debt-free journey, we wanted to do everything we could to raise additional money to pay off that debt. So we scoured the house for things that we could sell. And the more that we looked for things to sell, the more I realized why did I ever buy this in the first place? Like, why do I have this? And so the act of kind of decluttering your stuff helps you, I think, be more intentional with your purchases in the first place because it's a little disheartening, you know, to think one of my favorite quotes is, you know, look around you, all of that stuff used to be money. And when you go through the process of getting rid of it and it's, it just makes you realize man, maybe I haven't been as intentional spending
0: my money as I can be, you know, going forward. Oh yeah, definitely.
1: Love that.
0: (laughs) I still remember when I was, um, I don't know, like maybe right after I graduated college, I like helped my parents clean out my hat, my room and just going through all my old toys that we still had somewhere for some reason. And it just made me so like apathetic towards my parents. Cause like, why did I ask for all of these toys that I probably like, I mean, obviously as a kid, you don't know, but you know, it's just, it really, you see the dollar signs as you like are really looking through your things. You're like, oh my gosh, like it adds up so quickly, you know? I mean, so I mean, well, and
1: your son is, uh, he's getting a first row seat to financial education, just watching y'all do this because he's of the age where he's a very aware, right? I I forgot exactly how old he is.
2: Yes. So I have a son and he's nine and he has watched all of this and is just super interested in it. He's got an inquisitive mind. So he's always asking questions, you know, like what's a 401k. And I mean, I tell you when I was nine, I had no, I'd never heard of that. You know, <laughs> like I certainly wasn't interested, even if I had heard of it, you know? Um, right? But yeah, he watched us, you know, kind of go through the process. He celebrated with us when we became debt-free You know, he drew me this little picture. Congratulations on becoming debt free. And, you know, I don't even know if he fully understands all that it means, but like we are certainly planting those seeds in his head so that he will grow up with a much better financial education than I ever had for sure.
1: Well, I think even just being open and talking about it, because I think that in the past, that was one of the most harmful things was money just wasn't discussed that's why we started this podcast because it just needs to be talked about more so that the fact that y'all are bringing him along on your journey and you are talking talking openly about it he'll naturally just naturally be more uh knowledgeable and educated about it
2: yes i mean i just i agree with you wholeheartedly that's why i love podcasts like this because i think there is just not enough conversation about money Um, there's not, certainly not enough education about money, not enough conversation about it. And I'm very open with it. And, you know, I talk about it with my friends and and my family and because we are open with it and we talk about it, you know, I feel like people are just benefiting. They're like, Oh, what's, you know, my, I've got younger friends who are like, what's an IRA, you know, like how much should I be contributing to my 401k? What should I do about this? And when you got an environment where those questions are open, and you can talk about it. I mean, I just think that it benefits everyone.
1: Absolutely. And that is one of the things that you can definitely count on is inspiring so many other people you have over 100,000 followers on Instagram. And having those conversations with friends, and on Instagram all of the time, are just so instrumental in planting that seed and making someone else think, oh, maybe I should think about that.
2: (laughs) Yes. And the, the, the good thing about it is, or the interesting part about it is, is that, you know, no one has ever said, man, I'm so glad I waited an extra 15 years to get my money together. You know, like, I'm so glad I, started this super late, right? No one says that. (laughs) I'm
1: so glad I blew all that money for all those years.
2: (laughs) I'm so glad I never saved a dime, you know? (laughs) So like, you know, when you, when you talk about it, like my hope is, you know, especially for all the youngins out there, right? Like, you know, I want to be the kind of person that I needed when I was in my twenties and give people the information that would have helped me just so much that I just didn't know, you know, and the problem is you, you don't know what you don't know. And that's why I feel like conversations like these and podcasts like this are so important to just get out there.
1: Oh, thank you. Well, we, uh, have a mutual admiration society right here. (laughs) Um, But you do know that we always like to wrap up the show with two questions. And um, so we want to hear what your new answers are. And then I pulled your answers from last time. So it'll be fun to see how similar or how different they are. So,
0: (laughs) yes. So the first question we love to ask is what is your definition of success?
2: All right. So it's interesting that you guys
0: ask that because
2: not too long ago, I posted about how on Instagram, how my definition of success has changed over the years. And it was my most liked post for all of 2020. Um, And so, you know, the the post talks about like what I used to think success was. Mm -hmm. And, you know, back in the day, I thought success was a law degree and a high paying nine to five and a luxury vehicle and a big, nice home. And, you know, all the status items I could ever want. Right. To me, that was success. Like, you know, Oh, look at that Louis Vuitton. She's got, you know, she must be super successful. Like that's, it was very like outward manifestations of material kind of possessions to me. Um, and that's what I worked for. Right. I was like, let me get that law degree. Let me make that what is successful, but now it's none of those things. Now it is having the freedom to do whatever I want, right. To spend my time, how I want to have options in life, to have options to leave that law job. And more importantly, um, I think this is like how I'm gearing towards success now is to become work optional. Like to me, that is the ultimate, you know, definition of success. And the other day I was going to bed and I think I had, I had the day off and I thought to myself, like, is there any better definition of success than going to bed at night and not having to set the alarm for the next day? (laughs) Like to me, like that is
0: success. (laughs) So, yeah. I love that.
2: Well, and that's
1: similar to what you said last time. You said you can make more money. You can't make more time. So I think that ties in. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, the other question that we always ask is what are the three words that come to mind when you think of the word money?
2: I want more. No, I'm kidding.
0: Yes, That's there's never right. enough. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. That's,
2: I want more. That's three words. I love it. <laughs> all right. Um, I feel like I'm probably gonna sound like a broken record here. Uh, so one of the first things that comes to mind is freedom. You know, like when I when I think about money, I think that you know if I manage it correctly and I. Spend it with intention, I can create the kind of freedom in my life that I want. Um, That's our number one
1: most answered. That's the number one answer for this. Yes, for sure. I'm glad that
2: it's freedom and not something like stress, you know, which I feel like a lot of people would probably answer. Um, And then I think the second is security for money. um, For me, money has always been about security, um, which is, you know, a, a lot of the driving force for getting my financial house in order, for making sure the debt is paid off and creating that emergency fund and funding that retirement. Because as 2020 has shown us, like this world is unpredictable. You never know what is going to happen. And, you know, money and and using it, you know, intentionally can give you that security that I think a lot of people really, you know, identify with and and long for. Um, And then another one. (laughs) Um, I think the third thing that I think of, and this is kind of nerdy and unfun, but is budgeting, you know, like, I just feel like there's a lot of myths about budgeting out there. People think like, oh, you just need a budget because you're poor. And the truth is, if you've got money, you need a budget, you know, like, so money and budgets just go hand in hand for me, but I'm a big self-professed budget nerd. So (laughs) there you go.
1: (laughs) But you weren't always, and that's what's inspiring.
2: Mm -hmm. No, I wasn't always. And you know, when I look back on it, I I think, how did I live like that? Because to me, living without a budget is so stressful. It's so stressful because you look at your bank account and you have this figure and you have no idea, like, let's pretend there's a thousand dollars in there. You have no idea what you can do with that $1,000. Does that need to pay the electric bill? Does it need to pay the mortgage or can I like, is it all free, fun money? I can just go on a wild spending spree. Like you just don't know. And that, that uncertainty of living without a budget, that to me is just so stressful. And I think a lot of people maybe think the opposite that like, Oh, living with a budget is stressful. I'm so constrained. I can't do anything. And I honestly, you know, if there's anyone listening who's never tried to live and die by a budget, I mean, I would advocate it because it's just so much freeing. You have no stress. You know exactly what you're going to do with your money and you don't worry about it anymore.
0: Well, and you have more control too. I mean, I think that's also important. It's, you know, I think we tend to just, I don't know. I, I mean, I'm definitely on the other end of like, I've never really had a budget. I know, I know loose, you know, numbers in my head, but I think it's because there is that block, like mental block, like, and I think people just like need to, you know, go full force in it. And, and then they'll realize how freeing it is. I think people just like, you know, aren't willing to do the extra work, but once they do, it'll be just so much more amazing.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. That's a myth. I, I need to spend more time busting is that budgets are really freeing and not constraining. And I think it's just a big misconception out there. I love
1: that. Well, your three words were very close. You last time you had budgeting, security, and options. So similar to freedom. There you go. So you haven't. (laughs) So you've stuck with budgeting and security, and you've just switched options to freedom. So
2: two sides of the same
1: coin. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Thank you so much for coming on again. Kate, tell us where everyone can find you.
2: Yes, absolutely. Thank you for having me. Um, You can find me on Instagram at that debt free life or on my blog at www.livingthatdebtfreelife.com.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much again, Kate. You are amazing. And we are cheering you on every day um, for all the success that you've had and just for fostering an amazing community on Instagram, where people can really find a lot of great resources to, you know, start their zero-based budget, start their habit share and all that. So thank you. Absolutely. Thanks for having me guys. Thank you so much for listening to this week's
1: episode. The Money Made Easy podcast is here to educate, uplift, and empower you
0: to feel confident in your financial decisions. Have any questions? Email or DM us on Instagram. Remember, you start by starting. Take one small and actionable step towards your financial goals today. And if
1: you enjoyed this episode, please go give us a five-star rating and leave us a review. Might as well hit that subscribe button while you're there.
0: And we'll see you next Money
1: Monday.